We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another Karima. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, Derek Young of K-State Online, and uh, we're here to break down another road dub. K-State gets it done, their fourth Big 12 road win of the year, which ties a school record. They knock off West Virginia by 17 points on the road. It is tough to complain a whole lot about that, but uh, it was it was a topsy-turvy kind of a day with the defense giving up 30-plus points, some frustrations there. Um so this game was not totally devoid of that, but K-State marches on, continues to control their own destiny in the Big 12 title race. As always, the show is brought to you by Holiday Distillery. Stock up on your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, because you're going to need a lot of it on Saturday for those nerves. The Jayhawks are coming to town, and depending on what happens with Texas and Baylor on Friday, everything could be on the line there for K-State. Basically ensuring themselves a spot in the Sugar Bowl, as well as a spot in Arlington. So, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Get it for your tailgates. Speaking of tailgates, if you're going to be at the game on Saturday, come by and see us. Uh, we will be having a tailgate with uh, Holiday Distillery there, so your chance to come meet the Three Ma crew, certainly at least two of the three of us. Uh, DY, as you'll note, is, is pulling the Cole hostage situation video today, although it doesn't look as hostage situation-y probably. I mean, there's at least a door in the background of DY today as he's still in his uh, hotel in, in Pittsburgh. I assume you're in Pittsburgh, not uh, not actually in West Virginia? Yeah, I'm at the Pittsburgh Hotel, and and I used a table and a chair, and I moved it to a place where it wouldn't look as hostage-y as, as Cole's uh, did you know, several months ago. And the lighting's not the best. I actually, because my chair is so much taller than the table, I actually have my computer on an ice bucket to kind of get level here too. Compute wait, your computer's on an ice. I love that. That is that is true. Like long you've been a journalist for a long time, DY. If you know how to do that, get the ice bucket to help you out do your live hits here. There was no books. I, I was looking for like the typical Bible that you see in a hotel room. Not one of those either. So <laughs> okay. Uh all right. Well, Cole, thank you for alerting me to uh some breaking news here in our, our chat. Cole is alerting me. Uh, by the way, that's not necessarily it's just a clause in his contract that gets oh. triggered every time he wins eight games. Yeah, okay. I'm just now reading it. Yeah, okay. So uh, this is Kellis. Kellis actually beat him to it. Kellis, yeah, Kellis tweeted out yesterday. Uh just that Chris Kleiman gets uh an extra one year on his contract by virtue of winning eight games. So uh 
Over the next five years, Clement's contract will average $4.24 million per year. Uh, I know Kellis tweeted basically it's worth $4.3 million by getting the win and kicking in that trigger on the contract, um, which I do remember. The, the funny part about this is I remember that that specific clause getting mocked by Nebraska yeah. fans a couple of years ago in 2020 because it was, hey, oh, eight wins is the standard, huh? Well, Nebraska has continued to flounder as the longest Power 5 bullish streak in college football and now might be trying to hire K-State's Chris Kleiman. So uh, how the turntables have turned, or whatever the line from the office is. Suck it, Nebraska. That's my line. Um, anybody anybody fearful? Anybody fearful of that at all? You want to start the pot off there? The, the contract in general getting another year? No. Uh, no, 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 no. About, uh, about Nebraska. Uh, no, no, I saw, no. I saw, listen, I saw Sean Callahan the other day doing some podcast or live video where he was saying, look, they need to just wise up and go get a Chris Kleiman or a, a Lance Leipold. They probably do. There's, yeah. there's, more, there's more talk about it now. I think that's what they need to do. But here, here's my thing with Chris Kleiman and as transparent as he is, if there was something happening, we would probably have a pretty good idea of it. And I don't think that he's really going to engage in any kind of serious discussions, even if he is interested at this point when he's, you know, right here down the stretch of a Big 12 championship berth, perhaps. There was something not, else. Who, who is Sipple? Is there like a Sipple in the Nebraska media sphere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He covers Nebraska with Sean Callahan. Yep. Okay, okay. Well, because I, I, I just saw – I'm just going off of things that I caught on Twitter as I'm scrolling through yesterday. But I saw – Somebody say there that Sipple said Nebraska's next coach was going to come from the state of Kansas. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, just well, seems like there's a little more talk. <laughs> Whereas at the beginning of all this, Nebraska fans were almost like, I can remember reading a thread on one of the boards of Nebraska fans mocking Chris Kleiman because they're like, oh, that guy took Adrian Martinez. Like, why the hell would he would we want him? And now everybody prisoner of the moment at the end of the year has, has really reversed course seemingly on that. I, I would agree. The only thing that I would – and I'll let Cole uh, say his – piece on this as well but the only thing that i've kind of heard and i'm just putting like things together is nebraska is reportedly kind of inching closer to a head coach like even being able to announce it it sounds like they're not far away from it and just based on timing where everything is it is i just think that if that's truly the case and we're talking about a kansas coach that sounds a lot more like leipold to me than climb yeah, I truly think Chris Kleiman's focused on winning a Big 12 championship at this point, and, and there's not dialogue really. And I know they work the back channels through agents and all that, but I, I just don't think he would have that much interest in the Nebraska job. Um, you know, I we talked about it before. I don't think Chris Kleiman is going to coach another decade, right? You know, I don't think he wants to take on a rebuild like Nebraska and have to deal with the expectations and that fan base. And so I, I think he'll remain at Kansas State. Look, he's got this thing humming now, right? And you're, you get your new indoor facility uh, completed. You've got a great recruiting class coming in by K-State standards, a great quarterback coming in. And you got a returning quarterback next year and Will Howard, who's really come on. So I, I just, I can't foresee him leaving Gene Taylor either. And we know that he would be very transparent, like D.Y. said, and forthright with Gene Taylor about anything like this and discussions given their relationship. I'm not, I'm not worried at all. I've seen the rumors of people throwing his name out. Nebraska fans and media, they, they've thrown out so many names. Like it's, it is insane. Like they're just, they're throwing darts here and, and hoping one of them sticks. I, I, one thing I can't offer, and this is kind of coming from the agent community. And to be honest, the, and sometimes the speculation within the agent community can be pretty speculative or pretty reckless as well. So 
Um, don't take this, you know, for anything more than just me throwing it out there. But there is some chatter that Matt Rule, um, obviously in Nebraska, have obviously been talking, and that's what they would like in an ideal situation. But the reason why that hasn't been accelerated lately is Matt Rule is under the impression that Texas A&M is going to come open, and he yeah. would like to wait for that possibility. Texas, did you see the crowd shots in College Station yesterday? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Woo! West Virginia wasn't much better. <laughs> Boy, given uh, oh, I don't know. A and M looked more given given new meaning to the twelfth man. There were literally twelve men there. That was it. By that the way, uh, and by the way, if if West Virginia is go- also going to be in the market for a new coach, <laughs> there's also some dots being connected between West Virginia and Jimbo Fisher, who is from West Virginia. Which is interesting because, like, I don't. Would you even want Jimbo? At this point, like I understand, he's still a big name and a national champion coach, but I, uh, man, I don't know. His it looks, it feels to me like the game's passing him by on offense, and he's an offense. I, I would agree. I, it seems like, uh, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good marriage. But it, leave it for West Virginia to do it. I think. Okay, Cole. Any thoughts on uh, West Virginia's next head coach before we talk <laughs> about the K State West Virginia game? I, I I don't have I don't have an opinion there, uh, but I I will say that you know this this contract extension year on for Chris Kleiman, that's probably going to have to re- be renegotiated in the offseason again, assuming Kansas State can can beat KU and get to the Big 12 championship because I think they might have to uh, add on some more money onto that deal at some point. So I do think Chris Kleiman will get a bump. And uh, I think a lot of the, you know, he'll want a lot of money to go to his assistants in all likelihood too to boost that pool. And if you win a Big 12 title or get to the Big 12 championship, it's a lot easier to go to donors too and maybe ask for a little money to help with that. Um, and so I, I think there'll be a willingness to do that. And I think that Chris Kleiman will be here for the rest of his coaching career. And there's going to be a market for both of his coordinators after this season as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, they're going to need uh, some money for those coordinators, I would imagine, um, probably. So, yeah, anyway, a, a lot to talk about. It will be a very interesting offseason, uh, I think, on on all fronts for, for both of these Coaches upcoming, K-State and Kansas, in the game that is going to be uh, nationally televised on Fox at 7 o'clock in prime time. The the world is watching, not the nation. The world is watching uh, the Sunflower Showdown this weekend. And really, Cole, it, it traces back to a very prophetic statement that you made on a, on a live show after K-State beat Oklahoma, which is that the college football world runs through Manhattan, Kansas. I think we're going to see that on uh, on Saturday. Well, I was uh, I was thinking about that actually this morning, that line, <laughs> and I was thinking about how I might uh, I might do something with that if uh, Kansas State in, ends up pulling this thing out on uh, on Saturday night. So I might come track you down at the stadium and uh, might have a little fun for a couple minutes after the game. Hopefully, well, we could do so. we could do a spaces. You know, we could do a, a Twitter spaces. Yeah, assuming, assuming Twitter still exists by then. You know. <laughs> yeah. See? So. You know, if K-State loses on Saturday, that would be a great time for Twitter to die. If Twitter's going to die, that would be the time, is if K-State loses on Saturday. I would I would prefer that that happen then. Yeah. Uh, for now, though, K-State wins, all right, 48-31. to 31. Now, we're talking about Joe Klanerman getting a raise, and, and he definitely deserves one. It was not it was not the, the best day for his defense uh, this year, particularly the first half, particularly the first quarter, which was just wild. Um, but K-State does win, and I think in, in general here – there will be plenty of nits to pick, but we are talking about a 17-point road win that Cole pointed out was the worst loss for West Virginia at home this year. Uh, they've beaten Baylor. They've beaten Oklahoma. They've been a much better and much different kind of a team at home than they have been on the road. So 
it is tough to complain too terribly much when, you know, the end result, despite some of these things that we are going to complain about, was K-State winning pretty handily uh, in what we all thought was going to be a tricky game. And they co- I mean, they cover easily. I mean, you can go down the checklist there. Just a, a, lot of, a lot of good comes out of it for sure. Yeah, maybe adjusting to life without Kobe Savage. Maybe that's part of it in terms of maybe perhaps some communication. But although I will say some of the errors didn't seem to really – be connected to that. I mean, I think West Virginia was just making plays too against Josh Hayes and man coverage. There hasn't been a team that's really been able to take advantage of Josh Hayes and man coverage, surprisingly. I think Texas did once with Xavier Worthy, uh, although that might have been a good echo. And then West Virginia did. So credit to them. I think they made some plays that maybe Kansas State wasn't expecting. And that's kind of goes into my second point where you also have to wonder if Kansas State really just wanted to sell out to take away the QB run game with Garrett Green being the starter and basically didn't honor or respect this passing game enough, and uh, they were hurt that way because of it. I think that's certainly possible. When you have to – this is going to sound like me making excuses for the Kansas State defense, and surely I might be, but when you have to prepare for two different quarterbacks, and they said that they did, that also kind of stretches you thin in your preparation. And uh, the good thing is is that although it wasn't perfect, they did seem to fix it or kind of turn it around to an extent in the second half, just like what we saw against Texas. And when it comes down to it, it, before garbage time hits and KSU underscore fan is all over this, I think they average, you know, just a little over two points per drive, which is pretty close to their season average at the end of the day. Yeah, they had to prepare for two completely different quarterbacks stylistically, right? I mean, JT Daniels is a pocket passer. Green is a running quarterback. I think they were maybe a little bit surprised with Green's arm too. I mean, I, I know I was, he was delivering some dimes early on in that game that, that were pretty impressive. Um, but you know, you look at the box score, Garrett green, and I know this includes sacks, but 12 carries 17 yards rushing with a long of, of 13 yards. I mean, this is a guy that can bust 60 yard runs. He's done it before in his career. He's, he's very fast. K-State did a nice job of bottling him up and not letting him break out in the running game. Um, so, you know, that was a positive, uh, you know, when I, I look at this game, and, and if I would look at it in this way, if I would have just put my phone in airplane mode like I had joked, which, by the way, I didn't end up going to Chicago because of a, a sick kid, so I ended up getting to watch the game, and I joked about putting my phone in airplane mode and just checking the score at the end. And if I had checked the score and saw K-State won 48-31, I would have been ecstatic. If you would have told me going into that game they'd win by 17, I would have been like they must have played well, uh, really well to, uh, to come out at that margin. Uh, but watching the game – was a bit of a roller coaster just because there were some situations that were frustrating um, that occurred during the game. You know, the, you look at the, and a lot of it's the way it swung so quickly, you get up 14, nothing. And then in the blink of an eye, it's 14 to 13. And you look back and you're thinking, gosh, that fourth and four play, if they just get off the field right there, they could just ice this game in the first quarter probably and completely take West Virginia. West Virginia just lays down and quits if K-State gets up 21, nothing. And then it's 14 to 13 at that point. And, you know, they, they give up a, a drive where it's first and 26 and they end up getting a first down on that. And the first drive of the, the third quarter, they couldn't get off the field for a couple of drives. Uh, there were some definitely frustrating moments. But at the end of the day, you win by 17 as an eight point favorite. You easily cover uh, the metrics. Advanced analytics projected K-State to win around by 14. They surpassed that. And as you mentioned, John, handed West Virginia its worst defeat at home of the year. You know, they took KU to overtime in Morgantown. They beat Baylor by three. They lost to TCU by 10, but it was a three-point game with 30 seconds left in the game. And then they beat Oklahoma. 
I mean, so they they had not gotten handled like that at home all year. I will say, in terms of the nervous moments, I think that for you, I think that was the case. I, I'll be honest, I never felt like Kansas State was threatened that entire game. Was not nervous one bit and it felt pretty comfortable with what they were doing. I think there was a decision here and there that made me pull out my hair a little bit, but I was I, I felt like Kansas State was blowing them out almost the entire game is what it felt like, besides the point when they came back and made it 14 to 13. Aside from that, I wasn't worried uh, at all. The only thing that really probably disappointed, upset me along those lines was the – I forget what point of the game it was, and you guys will be able to know what I'm talking about as soon as I bring it up, is when they run on second down, when they only have one timeout, and obviously they get tackled there and they have to call a timeout. And then a third down, you get sacked, so you have to rush on the field goal unit. I think it's the end of the first half, and they still get three points because Ty Zender is a wizard with his leg right now. But I, I thought that was poor management. But from aside from that, I really have little to no complaints of how this game went. Well, first of all, it was it was that kind of a day, D.Y. It was the day for the rush your field goal unit onto the field and, uh, and knock one yeah. in. K-State was just trying to jump on that trend. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would throw in there, I was pulling my hair out at, you know, was 16 point game chance to kick a field goal to go up by 19 and make it a three possession game. And, and, and not only that compounding it with just a mess of a play call. I mean, yeah. So there were that frustrated me too, but I wouldn't say that I was like ever really feeling threatened. It was more like my frustration was about, and you guys know this and you'll make fun of me for this, but my frustration was about dude, Kansas is bringing a great offense into town next week. And if the defense is getting torched like this by, by Gary Green and West Virginia does have some good receivers. Um, you know, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Sam James, those are those are pretty good receivers. But if you're if you're getting torts like this, and it seems like oh, this is life without Kobe Savage and Josh Hayes, all of a sudden looks way less effective. I just I was going through my brain bigger picture, thinking with that, like next week, and really not even Big Twelve Championship game. It was all about like let's get there and make sure that you beat Kansas next week. That was that was where my frustration was coming from. I'm I'm not sure that I really felt seriously threatened for much of this game either. I get that. I think you could chalk it up to a bad game from Josh Hayes, though. He's been excellent otherwise this entire season. And, you know, that sometimes it, it goes both ways because you say, oh, crap, you know, we look like this against West Virginia. I'm like, yeah, but look how you looked against Baylor. Like, right? It's probably somewhere in the middle. And and being somewhere in the middle is still damn good defense. And they'll be at home next week, which, we you know, we know what the narrative on that has been throughout a lot of the year, forcing more turnovers at home. Um, they, they've generally been a, a better defense at home for a good a good portion of the year. So that that assuages some of my fear there too. I mean, they remember. Do you guys remember in the uh, the preseason over unders when we did? Uh, I gave you guys the turnover margin by K State defense forced, and I, I said like eighteen or nineteen, and we were like, oh, that's that's a bad number. That's that's too many. K State's turned over opponents twenty times now on the year. After last year, they were right around that number, too. It's pretty crazy. I mean, honestly. And, uh, you know, back-to-back games with two turnovers forced in each game won the turnover margin again, which was a, a big factor. Something worth mentioning. Obviously, one of those turnovers was Sincere Mason picked six to go up 14 to nothing. He left the game, did not return. Uh, the only thing Chris Clavin said after the game was that he was unable to return, which is what we saw. So uh, someone's alarm is going now. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I just wonder – what extent maybe the sincere Mason injury hurts because you probably ended up playing TJ Smith and VJ Payne more than you anticipated or had planned on doing. Um, and that's nothing against them, but we'll see, we'll see what they look like here uh, as the year goes on. TJ Smith, you know, he still isn't the same since he got injured two years ago. Everybody knows that. And 
VJ Payne was a little rough in the first half, but he did respond and play well in the second one. So it, it's all about experience. The more he plays, the better he will be. But right now, he's a work in progress. It's it's not good. I mean, to lose Kobe Savage and then potentially your veteran safety and sincere Mason, you know, especially when you're going up against two offenses, you know, in Kansas and then potentially TCU uh, that can really move the football. I, I know obviously Kansas struggled big time yesterday against Texas, but um, yeah, I, I, that's a blow. I didn't I didn't actually even realize it live. DY, we were just talking off air before we started the show. I didn't realize sincere Mason wasn't out there and it all makes sense now. Um you know, I never heard it mentioned on the broadcast and I missed it. And uh, that would explain why I saw so much VJ Payne and TJ Smith. I mean, hopefully sincere Mason can get back to where he can give him some snaps. I know he's been kind of limited all year, but he's been pretty good for him. I mean, he's got three interceptions now on the season. So yeah, uh, you're starting to run out of safeties and a defense that really relies on safeties. Yeah. And Felt like they were very deep at, at safety going into the year, and they are. But, you know, I mean, you, you take two injuries like that in back-to-back weeks, you're really taking on some water there. So, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get a positive update on on Tuesday from Chris Kleiman as far as uh, Sincere Mason goes. Uh, offensively, look, I mean, things continue to be great with Will Howard. Um, I'm forgetting KSU under four fans' specific stats. Maybe I can try and pull them up here. Will somebody else – carries it for a little while but it, it's still over four point well over four points per drive uh this season with Howard offense scores 48 points it, it felt to me like a pretty much a carbon copy of every Will Howard game this year where it was some great throws efficiency with the offense moved really well still missed a couple you know some balls will float here or there and and I guess the difference in this one he did have a pick six which we had not seen out of him quite yet with one bad decision but Shrugged that off, kept rolling, kept moving the offense down the field, and uh, got huge plays from Ben Sinnott and Malik Knowles uh, through the air. So just more of the same, more of the same from the Will Howard offense. Hell, since we know the outcome now, I'm not even, like, upset that the pick six happened because, as you said, he shrugged it off and went to the next thing and just kept, you know, it didn't phase him one bit, and I think that was a good sign to have. If I had any other reservations about Will Howard is – what 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 happens when a defense knows the entire week that he's going to play a game? What what happens to him when he knows for the entire week that he's going to start the game? And what happens when he faces the first real adversity, such as a pick six? He passes all those three tests with flying colors again. At this point, it's not a fluke. Uh, he's here to stay. He's the real deal. And, and I got those numbers with you because I actually just wrote about it, Kurtz. Um, and 31 non-garbage time snaps. 31 or drives, 31 drives. non-garbage time drives, 18 touchdowns still for Will Howard, 18-31. That's over 50%, pretty remarkable. And the points per drive is now at 4.35. So dipped a little, still better than the best team in the country. Um, and he's now played four games, right, almost four full games. That's a third of the season. And I don't know if it this came to bear or if it came to fruition, but – in our group chat, you know, last night, KSU underscore fan told us that, you know, if you include conf- only the conference games at the end of last night, I don't know if this happened, there was a chance Kansas State was going to be number one in points per drive in the entire league. Um, so it'll be interesting if that happened. It'll be number one or number two, I think. Offense produced 41 points on 10 drives yesterday in non-garbage time. So 4.1 points per drive. Pretty darn good, even though I know that's not a good West Virginia defense. When anytime you get into those upper threes of points per drive, that's terrific. And uh, K-State, right, once again, moved the ball effectively. And, you know, I tweeted this out actually this morning. Will Howard now has a 170.5 passer rating on the year. Again, we know it's a, a limited sample size, but 
you know, if he qualified and played enough games, that would rank him number five in the country and pass a rating. And when you look at the guys in front of him, three of them are Heisman candidates, CJ Shroud, Hendon Hooker, Drake May of North Carolina, and then Grayson McCall, veteran quarterback at Coastal Carolina. He's averaging 9.1 yards per pass, which would rank him 10th in the country as well. So he's playing incredible football. And to D.Y., I, I like the point D.Y. made uh, because I was nervous how Will Howard would respond to that pick six. Uh, that was, you know, that was, that's a tough blow. And the game swung and, and he's back there throwing the ball into tight windows again. And I think to a couple of those throws to Ben Sennett, I think to a beautiful one over the middle of the field later in the game, just once again, an absolute dime. Uh, but I think about the one where he could have potentially ran, but I actually, as I watch it again, that linebacker probably would have been able to close on him and get him before and to throw the ball on the move right on the money into the tightest of windows to Ben Sennett and make that play for a touchdown, man, uh, he's, he's playing really good football right now. And it's, it's fun to watch. And I mean, they, they also, you know, there were three different times. I think they were in a third and 10 or more that they converted because you can rely on Will Howard's arm. There was a third and 14. They got a third and 11, a third and 13. Uh, two of them were to Malik Knowles. Um, so yeah, I mean, Will Howard's playing really good football. And a lot of times he was under pressure yesterday. There were some times where he, he had guys coming at him and he still delivered the ball and the money. This is not meant as a shot to anyone. Um, and I sincerely mean that, but I haven't seen a, a quarterback play can't stay better than what Will Howard is doing right now. And and obviously I've only covered the team since 2017, so we're not spanning you know a long list of quarterbacks, but the play that Will Howard is putting on the field right now is far better than anything I've seen at Kansas State in the time that I've covered them since 2017. And I'll and I'll take it a step further. Um, this and, and this is by no means a shot at any coach or player either, but this is the first time since I've covered Kansas State where it feels like every time they get the ball, I think they're going to score. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was. Cole, Cole makes a great point about like third and ten doesn't doesn't feel impossible anymore. You know, and I mean. Cole also right now is wearing his, his Chiefs jacket. You know, I mean, you have this feeling of invincibility when you're when you're watching a Chiefs game. It doesn't matter, like, hey, third and 30, whatever. You know, I mean, you, you got a chance because of Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's, it's obviously not on that level. But if we're talking about, like, relatively where K-State has come from here, I mean, man, with just this, like, ground-and-pound offense where it feels like you have to be able to run the ball or have a threat of running the ball, third and long just felt impossible. It has forever, and now it suddenly doesn't. Now you're like, huh, all right, you know. First couple plays didn't go well. You still got a really good chance here, and uh, we've seen it again and again with Howard, and that is just such a game changer for you uh, offensively. And and to think of, I mean, even just think of, take the perspective of they they might be number one in points per drive in the conference going into the last game of the season, like Thanksgiving. K State being the best offense in the league at scoring points. I mean, who had that? And when was the last time K-State was even close to that? I mean, I don't, I'd be interested to go back and look at 2012, I guess, and see what what the 2012 offense was like. But uh, it's just so – it's very refreshing. I mean, this is this gets back to the things that I've been saying for weeks about what I was seeing from the Will Howard offense. But it's just – it's very refreshing after living through – even though the program has been decent, but just living through not, not having a modern offense, not having things look like they do for other teams offensively. It has been – like I looked up at – even just looking at Will's stat line that he almost threw for 300 yards by the end of the day. And I was like, damn, I mean, that's crazy. Like we, you know, I, did, did Skyler ever throw for 300 in his career? It was just, just like one OU last year um, okay. in Manhattan against Oklahoma. I think he went over 300, but otherwise no. Cause I, the, 
the 329 by Adrian Martinez versus Texas was the uh, second highest by K-State quarterback since Jake Waters in 2014. So, yeah, no, and uh, uh, D.Y., did Fan did Fan give us the uh, the points per drive numbers for K-State's offense in Big 12 play? Did he calculate those? Uh, I don't think he's got there yet. All he, all he said was, you know, he felt by the end of the night K-State was going to be number one or two. It's got to be close. I mean, I, I wish I would have – I maybe have it in my notes somewhere. But, you know, when I look at Brian Freemouth's points per drive metrics, K-State has just consistently went from right around 100th in the country after the two-lane game. And just, you know, entering yesterday, they were 41st in the country um, at two, 2.59 points per drive, which in Big 12 play is probably over three points per drive. And, uh, yeah, so they, they've really and- improved. And I took note of this, and I'm going to write about it more, but Chris Kleiman mentioned it after they beat Baylor that in many ways that they, they've wanted to emulate what Dave Aranda has done at Baylor. Now, I think they're doing it with a better throw game because I'm not sure Dave Aranda's ever had a quarterback been able to toss it around like this. But to that effect, Kansas State's going to be number top three in both points per drive on offense and defense, I believe, right now. Top three in both. And I think – you know, when I think about teams that have done that, Baylor last year comes to mind. D.Y., I know you've got to run here, but I want to I want to touch on the running game real quick uh, before yep. you go because it D.J. Giddens had a, had a really nice game, 79 yards rushing and a touchdown, I believe, uh, busted free for the long touchdown. But it, it, it seemed like a day where Deuce was kind of off. Um, he had a TD early, but just did not seem to have the same kind of explosion. And we've seen that a couple times this year when he was – believed to be a little bit more banged up. So I guess that, that would be one of the questions I have coming out of this game is, is how exactly how healthy is, is Deuce right now. Yeah, I kind of have that. Not necessarily a concern because when you can go that long for a game, he played the full four quarters, never left, didn't go to the locker, nothing. Well, no, I mean, no. that's another thing. Like, what, it's the second time this year they've had him in a blowout game in the fourth quarter still taking carries. I really don't understand that at all. Yeah, well, I guess in this one, I kind of understood it a little bit. 17-point gains a little bit different than being up by 20 or 30 like we've seen in the past. So I think that's a little bit different. I think ball security is a main emphasis by Chris Kleiman. And, yeah. you know, DJ yeah. Gaines still – DJ Gaines, what? He's not old enough to drink yet. He's 19 probably. So um, I think that's probably valued here. And the fact that you're not going to run Will Howard. They ran him on a QB sneak once, I think. Um, and another time, the QB sneak, he actually get limped after that quarterback sneak, by the way, on that touchdown. So, oh, believe um, you me, I noticed. <laughs> so I'm surprised they went with the quarterback sneak because that's how Adrian Martinez got hurt, too. So I, I, I don't know if we're going to see another one of those. But I don't think the Deuce Vaughn carries bothered me in this one as much as the other one. 17-point game, still things can happen, especially when there's like eight, nine minutes left on the clock. But to you, to your point, he did not look like 100%, but it also didn't seem like he was far from 100%. So I, it's, not, it's not something that I'm going to waste a whole lot of time on because I think it's he could he could look sharp next week and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, there were just there were a couple runs that he usually makes the guy miss and busts it, and he, he wasn't able to do so yesterday. So uh, I think Fan pointed out it's a grass field, it's cold, so maybe that played a little bit of a part as well. Probably not 100% either, but uh, hopefully he can bounce back and uh, be fine this next week. So uh, to John's point about having him in the game late, I thought they'd taken him out for good. DJ Giddens had – you know, with on that last one, one of those drives, he had most of the carries. And then all of a sudden Deuce reappeared with like under four minutes. And I'm like, well, what, 
what are you doing now? Like, you, you don't need to put him in. But especially after Chris Kleiman acknowledged at his press conference last week, the one regret they had for the Baylor game was not taking him out of series earlier. So yeah, surprised That's, they did that. I, I think it's a 17-point game. I think Chris Kleiman, I, I think he views a 17-point game there probably a little bit differently than us. And I still do wonder, and, and I know maybe just call a play that – he already knows and can run, but you still have to wonder the the breadth of knowledge that DJ Giddens has, and maybe a little consternation about a critical mistake that a young player like that you know can be susceptible to in that certain situation as well. I think I think that's a fair counterpoint. It's a fair counterpoint, and also a an area where it, it hurts K State a little bit that they never throughout the year like I mean they just have not used a third back at all. You know I mean if you had a third back who you also felt good about ball security, why even if they you know if you had like a Harry Trotter, uh, you know somebody like yep. that. Or if, uh, if Anthony Frias was ready. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but either way, I mean, again, these are, when I say nitpicking, these are, these are definite nits to pick. Uh, okay. DY, any, any last words of wisdom before we let you uh, roll and Cole and I take this thing on home? Uh, I'll just look ahead a little bit to the KU game. I think, uh, I don't know if there's any lines or odds out, but I, I imagine the total is going to be pretty high. I think a lot of people are going to anticipate a shootout. So somebody and, told me on FanDuel it was like 12 and a half or 13 and a half. Uh, well, I'm talking about the total, not, not necessarily the spread, but I said okay. the total. I bet people are expecting a shootout. Now, that makes sense because of these offenses, uh, the two that are going right now. Jalen Daniels be back, makes Kansas a little dangerous. Will Howard makes Kansas State a threat to score every time they have the ball. But in rivalries, things tend to tighten a little bit. And I know this is not a rivalry that's ever truly been close, but I, you know. I, I bet that it's going to be a little lesser scoring than meets the eye. Well, are we are we sure? I mean, I, I if Jalen Daniels' first game back in a long time, they're, they're, clearly there was some rust to knock on. We sure they don't have a little bit of Will Howard, Adrian Martinez going on there with Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels? I mean, I've always been of the opinion I think it's so much more about the scheme than it is the individual quarterbacks there. It probably is, and – and I didn't get to see the whole game. I only saw bits and pieces. But there were times where I was told, and, and I saw one time myself, where Jalen Daniels just didn't seem right either. And he took a took a hit where it didn't look right either. So, um, And he probably should have had a lot of turnovers from the sound of it, more than what, what ended up happening. So we'll see. Um, they need Jalen Daniels to be better than the Jalen Daniels they had against Texas. That's for sure. Yeah, well – Cole and I can talk a little bit more about that on the other side because I do want to look kind of generally big picture here, looking ahead to this week and, and what's going on in the Big 12. But D.Y.'s got to uh, get on the road, get on out. So we we appreciate it, D.Y. Thank you for uh, for hopping on here. We'll take a break, and when we come back, Cole and I will uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Kansas game coming up. All right, we're back here. On we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Three ball, and now it's just Cole and I. Uh, let's let's run through where K-State's at right now. I think most people are aware of this, but magic number essentially is one. K-State needs to either beat Kansas this weekend to make it to Arlington or a Texas loss to Baylor on Friday, which is Friday at 11 a.m. So be up ready to go early for that game on Friday. But one of those two things happening will guarantee that K-State gets to play TCU and get a rematch there in the Big 12 championship game. There was a scenario that we were trying to like figure out if Oklahoma State had won out, uh, that there was a potential for a three-way tie there between K-State, Oklahoma State, and Texas, and the tiebreakers were wildly confusing. But uh, Oklahoma State took care of that one pretty early for us because by the time I was even getting to the point of finishing, figuring that out, they were down 28 to nothing in the first quarter <laughs> in Norman. So don't need to worry about that. Um, I'm also not really going to count on a Baylor win over Texas. I mean, and look, would, would any of us feel great about backdooring into the Big 12 championship game coming off a loss to Kansas? I mean, you know, it'd be, it certainly beats the alternative, but uh, it, it would not be the most fun thing in the world. I would take the added security if it does happen. But I don't know, even though Baylor played a heck of a game and gave TCU literally everything they could ask for getting beat on that last second field goal. I don't know. Texas in, in general has been playing pretty well here lately. The TCU game did not go well, but they have strung together, obviously, a game in Manhattan and a game in Lawrence uh, that, that looked pretty damn good. Yeah, it's hard to see Baylor getting up off the mat after a game like that emotionally and bouncing back on a short week, Black Friday, playing that game. But, you know, to me, it's all dependent upon Texas. And are you going to get locked in, focused Texas? Got them yesterday against KU. Got them against K-State in the first half. And and look what happens when they just commit to running the football. Uh, You know, they hand the ball to B. John Robinson. It's pretty easy. It's not not hard. And Roshan Johnson. And if Texas comes in locked in, then, you know, they should beat Baylor. The one thing I'll say about Baylor, and I know K-State blew out Baylor, but Baylor's style of football is to shorten the game, control the clock, run the football, and have, you know, low possessions and, you know, go for fourth downs. And Baylor has nothing to lose in this game. They're, they're going to a bowl. They're six and five. Texas is a rival of theirs. It's an hour away from each other, hour and a half. You know they would love to win this game still, um, and it would sure help getting over the TCU game. But – I have a hard time seeing it. Um, we'll see. That Texas defense is pretty darn good. I don't think Baylor is going to be able to just line up in their traditional run formations like they do and just power it down Texas' throats like Baylor wants to do. Uh, so, yeah, it would be nice to uh, have that security going into to Saturday and maybe alleviate a little bit of the pressure on K-State's players too, just knowing they're already in and they can play a little more free and loose. Uh, I know it would relieve a little bit of my anxiety, not that I would feel good about losing to Kansas and backdooring it in, but it would be nice for me to uh, be able to get a move on hotels and everything. I'm too superstitious to do it before. So uh, I'm not booking Arlington stuff until I know. And so out of just superstition of my history of doing that. So, um, 
Yeah, it'll be it's nice to have a game on Friday and to know where things stand going into Saturday and not be sitting there on Saturday wondering what's going on with the Baylor game in Texas. You'll you'll know the result and you'll know what you have to do. And it's pretty darn simple. Either Texas loses, K-State's in, K-State wins, they're in. I think everybody would prefer it's just K-State go ahead and get that win. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two ways to look at it. You you could play a little freer and looser, or you could not be as sharp, let your guard down a little bit if you know that uh, you're already in. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't worry, but Chris Kleiman talks all the time about this being the best locker room he's ever been a part of and um, all those things. So I, I think if there's a team that you would worry about that with, it's it's probably not this team. It would it would be the things on the field that are actually transpiring that would be a concern. And I, you know, I, I know, Cole, I'm sure by the end of the week, scaredy cats me and you will be talking us ourselves into well oh, kansas just had this terrible performance they're going to come really fired up uh nothing to lose can't repeat that jalen daniels knocked the rust off last week and now you know they'll come with a fury back here in manhattan but i if we are being honest i mean kansas has faded a little bit they're they're not they are not looking like quite what they were back in mid-october uh for instance well you know i was just looking at the numbers so against texas tech 264 yards allowed on the ground on 48 carries. And then Texas yesterday, 427 on 57. So you're talking about almost 700 yards running the football over the last two games. It's not like Texas Tech's notorious for being able to gash you on the ground. And they were able to do it against Kansas. You know, yesterday gave up 55 points on 10 drives to Texas, five and a half points per drive, gave up or yeah, allowed 43 points on 12 drives against Tech. I mean, they were, they're at close to four and a half points per drive allowed over the last two weeks. It's still one of the worst defenses in college football. So K-State should be able to be effectively able to move the football. Now, Kansas's offense is top 20 in the country in points per drive, uh, but they have faded some to your point. And, um, you know, you take away that Oklahoma State game. It's, it's been a bit of a struggle over the last several weeks for Kansas. And I don't know what they, you know, they're going to go with Jalen Daniels at quarterback, but what I do wonder about it, it looked like a little bit of a reluctance for him to run. And I think that changes KU's offense a little bit if they can't run the quarterback some and Jason Bean, you know, he can run. Um, so we'll be curious what they do there. I mean, they, they have a month off after that for their bowl game, so they can lay everything on the line. They can run the quarterbacks if, if they're willing to put them at harm's way. And uh, you know, Kansas has run some trick plays this year. They've, you know, Leipold's scheme, their offensive scheme is is pretty difficult to prepare for. So they're, they're going to challenge. Like, they're going to come in ready to play. This is going to be a huge game for Kansas to try and wreck K-State's hopes. But at the end of the day, K-State's a better football team. And if they come in ready to go and limit mistakes, K-State should win. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a, a pretty similar viewpoint on it. Uh, I've got plenty of respect for them, and, and especially the offense. I mean, like I said, I've just been – uh, blown away by watching their offense this year and the progress they've made and what they were able to do with Jason Bean and how much better he looks, um, a, a whole host of things here. But, yeah, I mean, the the running game, you, you would figure, honestly, like what we saw last week in Morgantown feels like a, the way that this, this game could sort of play out. I know Derek just made the point, rivalry game, night game, cold, um, although I did – take a peek at the forecast doesn't look like maybe as cold as, as it could have been uh, yeah. coming up on Saturday, but night game rivalry game, uh, high stakes, all that stuff could, could pull some of that in. But honestly, if we saw a game play out in a similar manner where it's like both offenses uh, are doing a lot of things, but K-State, the defense finds a way to create a couple turnovers and do what K-State did at Morgantown to win the game by a, a score or two, that, that feels like it could be the way that this thing plays out. Yeah, no, I, I definitely could see it shake out that way. Uh, I think a fast start is important again. 
Um, you know, and K-State's gotten off the fast starts the last couple of weeks, really three out of the last four weeks outside of Texas. Um, so, you know, if I'm Kansas State, I want the ball right off the bat. I want to receive again. That's what I wanted K-State to do yesterday. I was glad they chose to receive. Yeah, which, I, which know, they just, did. Yep, they did. And and you go down and get up 7 nothing. And that KU defense, I think K-State can go down the field and, and get up 7 nothing, And then you get that crowd in a frenzy. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be the largest attended crowd at a K-State game this season. You know, I know they've they've sold a lot of tickets for this one. A lot of standing room tickets have been sold for this game, and the secondary market is crazy. So there's a lot of anticipation for it. Seven o'clock game. The students should be back mostly in full force. They'll be sick of hanging out with their families by then. Uh, the dorms, the student housing is opening up Friday, from what I understand, and you know, and it accounts for the game. So that'll be available for the students so they can come back a little earlier. Usually those don't open until Sunday. Um, so those will be opened up. So it should be a frenetic electric atmosphere and uh, really, really looking forward to it. Hoping we get our guy Brock Hewitt on the call again. Uh, we'll see yeah. if, uh, if that comes out, it's a big game on Fox seven o'clock. Uh, I don't think Ohio state, Michigan's the 11 AM game. That'll be Clatt and uh, Gus. And there's not really another competing game on the Fox network. So I, I think we might see that occur and uh, everything on the line. You know, John, it's interesting. You take these things for, for granted as a kid. We were very spoiled, you and me, growing up. Because I remember thinking back to uh, 2003, K-State had Missouri and Manhattan, right? And it was just kind of a ho-hum. K-State ran Darren Sproles like 35, 40 times. Yeah, right? like 250 and, yards on the ground. Yeah. And it win the big 12 North to go to the big 12 title. And K-State won by 10. They were always in control of that game. But I was just kind of like going into that game, like tail, like tailgating before. I was like, "Well, we're gonna win the North. We'll go to the Big Twelve Championship. That's great, but not gonna not gonna beat OU." Now I think about it like so differently. How huge this spot is as I grow up and get older, and how special of an opportunity this is to get a chance to play in the Big Twelve Championship and to clinch on your home field that opportunity. I mean, that's, that's a pretty rare moment. Like I think about Brody and my five-year-old and like, I want to really cherish it because, you know, it's not going to happen very often. So these are rare moments. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really hope K-State can capture this moment because this is a team that will be remembered forever if they get to the Big 12 championship, regardless of the results after that. I mean, obviously everybody would love to win the Big 12 title, but just getting to the Big 12 championship is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, and it's a nice thing to have in your pocket when you talk about conference realignment nowadays and, you know, where K-State sits, right. To have played in multiple big 12 championships over the last decade or won multiple big 12 championships. So yeah, it's, it's a special day. Hopefully K-State can lock this up and uh, we'll break it down more on the, the actual KU preview pod later this week. And hopefully all you guys can listen to it on your, your drives to hang out with family, wherever you're traveling to, but uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Shout out to my guy Brian who hooked me up with uh, with a couple of tickets. Very generous, very generous, my friend. I've uh, been, been pretty lucky with that. And thank yeah. God Twitter didn't actually die because it happened like the day after everybody thought Twitter was going to die. So uh, you know the, the beauty of Twitter, beauty of Twitter. It'll be uh, it'll be lit, as the kids say, on Saturday inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, that that is going to be very fun. Okay, uh, Cole. Let's wrap it up with now. I actually I have a, an admission to make on the other side of this, but uh, you want to wrap it up with just a touch of basketball talk here. I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to do the heavy lifting on this one after K State beat uh, Kansas City earlier this week. If that's okay with you. Yeah. Why don't we uh, Why don't we toss it to break and then uh, our second break and then we'll uh, we'll do a little basketball. Uh, yeah, that works. Okay. 
just we didn't talk about it beforehand, so I didn't want to I didn't want to surprise you with anything here. But uh, we, we'll get to some hoops next. Okay, so full disclosure: I have not watched the basketball game against Kansas City. Uh, I mean, for, first of all, I, like I, I get why it happened. I understand. Shout out to the K State women for beating Iowa, by the way, in the in the nightcap, the number four team in the country. Hell of a win! But a five thirty tip off like on a Thursday. I mean, I. This is where I'm adjusting to to real life still, even a little over a year into it and not working in the, the media biz anymore. I'm like, dude, what, what am I supposed to do with a 5.30 tip-off on a Thursday, man? I got things going on. I got a 30-minute commute anyway. There was no way I could have made the start of the game, even if I was so. I, long story short, I have not seen the basketball game yet. So your thoughts on uh, K-State's, eh, maybe a little bit sluggish, but uh, double-digit win over over Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were a little lethargic, maybe a little bit flat, and I, I understand it in that spot. They hadn't played in six days in a 5.30 tip, kind of a slow-arriving crowd. Um, ended up being an okay crowd for UMKC or, or Kansas City on a you know Thursday night at that time. But, yeah, I, I think there was just some, you know, a little bit of a flat spot for K-State. And, you know, they, at the end of the day, they won by 16. And I, I try to keep this in perspective because I've, I've been watching a decent amount of basketball. I've been looking through the results and there are a lot of group of, or power five, power six schools that are losing to no name opponents in college basketball. And Kansas state has not done that. Kansas state won by 16. You know, I watched Oklahoma the other night, just sneak by South Alabama when they were down by two in the last couple minutes of the game, Oklahoma's already lost to Sam Houston state. Oklahoma State lost to UCF, but they also lost to uh, I don't even, I don't remember who they lost to a nobody. Uh, Oklahoma State did, and TCU lost. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff by one. They beat Northwestern State or lost to Northwestern State. So Florida lost to Florida Atlantic, et cetera. I could go down a list. The SWAC. Uh, one of my friends pointed this out to me. The SWAC has beaten the Pac-12 four times already this year. Pac-12 schools have lost four times to SWAC opponents. So. The bottom line is K-State's at least winning, and they're still winning in controllable fashion. But, yeah, I, I didn't think they were particularly sharp. There are some things to work on for sure. The half-court offense has to improve. they got to get better at blocking out, too, and rebounding, actually. They were out of position uh, quite a bit. I think that comes with some of their defensive rotations and just being out of place as they continue to learn to play with each other. And I, the bottom line is I'm, I'm not too worried because this was game three. And they're going to continue to get better. And it's a whole new coaching staff and a whole new roster. And as they continue to play with each other, they're going to adapt and they're going to get much better. And, you know, not only is it a whole new roster, but Desi Sills has been here for a month. Uh, Keontae Johnson didn't arrive until the beginning of August. And he, or look what he already looks like. I mean, just imagine what, what they'll look like as they get more experience with each other. So th they've got the talent and that's what's most important. And now it's just coaching that talent up and, and the system and, and they'll get there. Uh, the offense always comes last. I mean, you remember with Bruce Weber teams, it was always yeah. defense. And then the offense by big 12 play got a little bit better. Not to sometimes the, the offense just never shows up. Yeah, well, that's true, but I don't think that'll be a, necessarily a problem. I, I think there's enough capable guys. And, and as you look at it, like different guys are stepping up and showing that they can do different things and score on any given night. So Keontae has been there pretty much every night, right? Naquan didn't have a great game against Kansas City, but Cam Carter gives you 16. So you see a capability of his ability to shoot uh, in that game. Uh, you know, Bebe gave you 12 on five of five shooting in the season opener, and he hasn't played well really in the last two games. They, they haven't gotten enough from the five spot. 
and I think they'll get better there. But uh, I think Gasson and, and Bebe will give them more. Uh, he just had an off night the other night. But, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of talent. Well, I think they're also uh, – the thing thing that I like, you know, very John Kurtz sort of category here on Box to Check. But I, I believe they're three for three in making uh, Sports Center top ten uh, in, the, in the three games. Yeah. So it's just like no matter what, I mean, there's going to be some sick highlights. So I'm, I'm hey, sign me up for that. I'm here for that. Also, I yeah. would point this out when you're talking about the offense and like some of the offensive struggles. That uh, it was the Big 12 championship team, right? That lost the game in the 40s to Tulsa at the beginning of the year. Didn't even crack 50 yeah. and and lost to Tulsa. So yeah, I mean, even teams that wound up being pretty good uh, have, have had some offensive struggles here. And with that, I mean, they scored what 69 something like that against Kansas City. Yeah, and and Jerome Tang mentioned there was a little bit of a flu bug going around the locker room too, right? Ishmael Masood didn't play in that game, so their rotations were a little off. And, uh, you know, I don't know if other guys were battling it or just getting it over, and that, that could have probably led to some of the lethargic play or lower energy in that game. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Heck, John, I watched KU up on Southern Utah by one in Allen Fieldhouse in a, with a minute left. I was watching that game. So – and look, Southern Utah is probably better than Kansas City, but I'm just, I just say this like there's there's been a lot of abnormal results early on in the year, and K State hasn't had a game that it's really had to sweat yet, so I, I'm not alarmed. Well, we're gonna see, uh, you know, college basketball is just in a state with the portal and so many new faces everywhere that you're just gonna see more and more of that. I think like that's gonna become more more the reality. Oklahoma State lost to Southern Illinois, by the way, it was the other one that you, okay. were, that yeah. you were pointing out there. So. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see that happen more and more as teams have situations like K-State where there's 11 new players and it's it's very early and you're trying to figure it out. What do you think about uh, Cayman Islands coming up this week? I saw a nice nice little video of the team arriving in uh, the Cayman Islands. It looks lovely. It looks lovely. I would love to it, be there. It does look nice. Uh, you know, well-deserved trip. Hope they enjoy it and hope they get some wins. And the resort that they're staying at looks very nice too as I uh, was looking through some of the Instagram stories that were appearing from the staff and players Uh and hopefully they have a great time and then uh, can come home with some wins. It's, it's an interesting tournament, you know, on paper, it's not a sexy field by any means. What I will say, you know, they play Rhode Island on Monday night. So if you're listening to this, you know, later in the week, that game may have already occurred, but Rhode Island is a team they should be Rhode Island's one and two. They've got a couple of bad losses. They're from the Atlantic 10 conference. I mean, Rhode Island just a few years ago is in the NCAA tournament and, you know, competing well in the Atlantic 10, but they're, they're not good this year uh, from what I can see. So K-State should win that game. Lamar Odom isn't walking through that door. (laughs) Yeah. Bring it back to the, uh, the NCAA tournament back. uh, I gosh, I can't even remember what year I'm sure Jed can. Um, 99. Yeah. Um, You know, as I, so assuming they beat Rhode Island, they're likely going to play Tulane. Again, uh, you know, fear the green wave after what they did in football. Tulane doesn't sound sexy on paper in basketball, but I think Tulane's an NCAA tournament team. They have, you know, Jalen, I think it's Jalen Cook. Yeah, Jalen Cook, who is a uh, preseason all-ACC or all-AAC American Athletic Conference first-team performer. He was a heck of a player last year, prolific guard. And then they have two all-second-team guys in the league. They got three guys on the first and second team. So three out of the 10 guys that were named to the all AAC team are from Tulane. Uh, They can really score. They got four guys that can really score the basketball. Ken Palm has them ranked as the number 63 team in the country. So assuming they play Tulane, that's probably going to be close to a pick them on a neutral court. 
And that's going to be a challenging game. I, I think Tulane will be a quad one win uh, if they get it on a neutral court by the end of the year. So that'd be a nice one. Uh, and then you've got, we don't know what we're projecting, you know, who's going to make it through the field. LSU should probably make it to the championship. Uh, they play, you know, they're on a weaker side of the bracket with Illinois State, Western Kentucky, and uh, Akron, I think. So LSU should likely make it to the top. You know, that's an SEC team, obviously. LSU, as I check here, they're 47th in Ken Palm right now. So probably another quad one win. So when I look at it, yeah, not not a great field, but you have an opportunity to secure a couple quad one wins on a neutral court. Uh, so it, you know, I, I would just level set and say my expectation isn't for them to win this whole tournament. Uh, you know, if they can win two out of the three, I'll, I'll take that. If they win all three, great. But if they get out of there with two out of the three, avoid bad losses. I'm okay with it. I, I still am realistic thinking that this is a new group. They're going to lose some games at some point and there's going to be an adjustment period. So win a couple, get out of there and then uh, get back. I think they got Butler on the road right after that, which will be a test. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the, the same boat as you. I'm, I'm going to have plenty of grace with this team. I understand that a lot needs to come together. And, and even if the non-con schedule is not great and you're thinking about tournament resume and all that and avoiding bad losses. And I, I'm just, operating under the assumption that they're, they're probably going to lose a game or two in the non-con that we will be disappointed with. And then I would imagine that by the time conference play rolls around, they'll they'll jump up and beat a team or two uh, that, that we also weren't expecting to happen. So I'm, I'm pretty chill. I mean, basketball at this point has just given me so much hope with where the future's going, the class that they now have officially signed, by the way, now that that, that is come and gone for next year, where things are going, the, the early signs of Keontae, uh, the athleticism that's there, the fun that is there, the, the fan engagement being there. I, there are enough positives that I, I they've built up a world of patience uh, and, you as far as this yeah, year. And I know people think the non-con schedule is really bad, but I mean, to be honest, John, when I look through it, I, I think it's okay. I mean, Butler on the road is a tricky test. They're 87th in Ken Palm. I like Butler's roster. I mean, I think Butler's got a decent team. They lost to a Penn State team that's actually pretty darn good. Um, so they're three and one. And then you got Florida, which is 34th in Ken Palm. Now you play them in January as part of the SEC challenge. So uh, you don't play them in the early portion of the non-con or the regular portion. Then Wichita State, they they won against Richmond the other night, an A-10 team, and Wichita State's 93rd in Ken Palm. You've got the potential to play five top 100 Ken Palm teams in the non-con, which is about right for a team with a bunch of new guys. Uh, you know, who knows where Nebraska ends up. You're, you're playing teams from a lot of power six leagues. Uh, when you look at the overall schedule, you're going to play and then the American conference as well. So I think the schedule is fine. I think it's right for the roster that they have as they adapt. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely right for the roster. Yes. hundred percent agree on that. Okay, well, there you have it. It'll be a busy week with the Cayman Islands tournament. Obviously, KUK State coming up on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back at it midweek to get you all set and ready to go for that. Appreciate DY for uh, making some time for us today, even though he's he's having to catch a flight back, traveling today. Everybody working to make it work, uh, and we we appreciate all of that. For uh, Jed Marshall, Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, and the help of Holiday Distillery uh, sponsoring this great pod. As always, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3Ma, and we will talk to you soon. Hey. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.